Welcome back. Episode 39 of Inside Illini Football. I'm Matt Daniels, the sports editor at the News Gazette. Pleased to be joined by beat writer Scott Ritchie, along with veteran engineer, producer extraordinaire, amateur filmmaker from Pressbox Radio Celebrations, Ed Bond, in studio as well. Scott, how are you? You know, I mean, just sort of bummed out. It's just, it's rained like all this week. Wow, we're starting off on a downer. Well, because, I mean, I didn't, I have, you know, worked through this afternoon. This evening, I thought, you know, maybe the sun's shining in the morning. I could go play a little golf. Uh, no such luck. Well, positive update right now. Sun's supposed to be out Saturday afternoon at Memorial Stadium. I think 57 for a high on Saturday. I think that's what folks call football weather, Scott. Yeah, I mean, doesn't do my extracurriculars any good because <laughs> I'll be in the, in the press box. But it should be a really nice day. You could cover the game from the stands. I'm sure Kent would let you. Maybe. Uh, I mean, be a different experience. Yeah, I don't know. I I like to like spread out in the press box. I have a lot of got like notes to my left, notebook to my right, where I scribble things down. Mm-hmm. I just I kind of have a, a pattern. Got to keep Bob Osmussen awake to your right. Well, it'll be be my challenge. It'll be his first game. That's right. Back in the box. Hopefully, all of you read Thursday's News Gazette. Bob had a uh, in depth column on Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator at Illinois who a lot of fans were probably questioning after three games into the season and now are praising him because the Illinois defense is really good. And I also feel we buried the lead, Scott. We're about two minutes or so into this week's podcast, and we haven't mentioned the fact. Nine overtimes. 20-18 to 18 win at then number 7 Penn State last Saturday. Career win number 100 for Brett Bielema. Historic win. The, the longest college football game ever played. After uh, the overtime rules were changed for this year to basically make it a two-point conversion shootout at the end, your thoughts, Scott? Well, I learned last Saturday that it was apparently very difficult to gain three yards because you go through the first five of the two-point conversion shootout overtimes, neither Illinois nor Prince State converted, um, which, and I think at that point, both Offensive coordinators have probably used up all of their two-point plays because it's not like you plan to have nine of them in your back pocket, or, or I guess seven in this case because you know, they did trade field goals through the first two like real overtimes. It's kind of a convoluted system. I'm not sure I like it. After I think we hit about the sixth overtime, I was thinking ties are okay mm-hmm. um, just because neither team. Here, here's here's my was, thing on, on overtimes is – Okay, you, you, let's take the take a look at three levels of, of overtime. High schools, I think this is still how they do it. Uh, start at the ten yard line. Start at the ten. Four down territory. Try to score. There you go. College, start at the twenty five through the first two overtimes, and then this year they change it after the going to the third overtime. It's just two point conversions, which I guarantee you ninety five percent of people didn't realize until they started watching Illinois Penn State. I was one of those ninety five percent. Uh, NFL, which they've tweaked throughout the years, uh, but the current system is 10-minute overtime period. Uh, each team will get the ball unless the team that wins the coin flip scores a touchdown, I think. Yeah, so even that's convoluted. True. But that way it, that way it can't end on a field goal like it used to do, sure. so it doesn't determine on a coin flip. My, my opinion on this, and again, just a sports editor here at a newspaper covering a Big Ten school, 
college football should take the NFL version of overtime because this is this is my reasoning. Ties are okay, you know that happens in the NFL occasionally, and the sport moves on. I know college football hasn't I had mean, one. Everyone complains about it in the moment, then <laughs> exactly. the next week they're like, "Well, it's it's forgotten." Just think too what a tie would do to like the college football playoff discussion if if it was a if it was in play, yeah, which isn't already a mess. So let's just <laughs> exactly. create more wrinkles. <laughs> uh, but my reasoning is. Everyone in, involved in football these days, and rightfully so, is concerned about the safety of the players in the very, very violent sport. I'm sure the family of Art Sikowski probably would have liked the 10-minute overtime period, possibly, because then their son would not have had a broken arm and missed the season, because that happened in, what, the fifth or sixth overtime? I think it happened in the sixth, and Brandon Peters played seven, eight, and nine. Okay. There you go. This is the wildest thing I ever <laughs> thought I'd have to discuss. Um, but in, in terms of in terms of just that, just do a ten minute overtime period if you want to in college football. Even if a team scores a touchdown after the coin flip, give the other team a chance to go down and score. Then if they want to, if they score a touchdown again, if they want to go for two point conversion, they win. Great. If they want to play for the tie, great too. That's okay. The last tie in college football actually happened with an Illinois game, Illinois Wisconsin, nineteen ninety five. A Memorable 3-3 tie. I'm pretty sure it was in the snow as well, so that added added to the effect. But my point being is that, sure, it would have been great, I think, for advocates of the new overtime rule if it would have just ended after three overtimes and one team got a two-point conversion and another team didn't. But I think what we saw as evidence of this kind of being a flaw is the fact that college football teams don't just have, you know, 15 two-point different two-point conversion plays to go with and... My argument, too, is that the likelihood of player safety and player injury or the likelihood of player injury increases with the continuous two-point conversion tries because if you watch enough football, it's not like a lot of teams score from three yards and out. It's always a very violent play that has to happen in order to make uh, that conversion successful. So, I don't know. Just my whole theory, again, it's going to fall on deaf ears, I know, but... Ten-minute overtime period. If, it, if there's a tie at the end, life will move on. Yeah, and I'm not sure that the new rules maybe got the publicity that they were no. maybe wanting when you know the first one of these to really you know draw any attention went nine, and it was just it was sort of a bit of a, a little mocking tone. Yes, to nine overtime. Yes, it, I, I had to look up like what came after octopole. <laughs> It's non-upal, and then desupal, and then I just I looked at ten. And I was like, man, if I got to go into eleven, I don't. I'm just gonna stop watching. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was interesting to to see the game play out the way it did this past Saturday. Uh, to hear the radio call as, as well, especially the Illinois radio call with with Martin O'Donnell and Brian Barnhart doing a superb job from the the press box at Beaver Stadium. But like you said, Scott, again, social media is such a huge part of our our lives and sports writers are chimed into social media, especially on game days. Again, though, I don't know if that's right because, you know, we look back three, two, three years from now and you're live tweeting a sporting event anyway, but the tone it, you said was right. It was more mocking from people that were watching. The Lots of jokes time. being made. Yes, exactly. I might've made a couple. Uh, totally understandable. Um, and, and, uh, our, our, 
media colleague Jeremy Warner, I think, pointed this out too on Twitter is that it almost had that feel Saturday of like Illinois Rutgers basketball was a triple overtime, it's a triple overtime game. Yeah, and it, I mean, just, w- it just wouldn't end. Yeah, and that one was special because you know neither team was very good at that mm-hmm. point. And I mean, now like a triple overtime game between Illinois and Rutgers, that'd be something because yeah, both, both teams, teams are legit. Are um, but back to football, uh, the way Saturday's game started and unfolded is I think a lot of people thought, okay, this is going to be a, a route by Penn State when Sean Clifford hit that touchdown pass for Penn State to go up 7 nothing, and they're up 10 nothing early in the second quarter. And then, in your opinion, Scott Ritchie, what, what transpired to keep the Illini in the game? I mean, a, a couple things. Um, part of it was Illinois' shift in offensive strategy where it I mean two weeks after essentially abandoning its running game because oh Wisconsin's really good at stopping it we shouldn't do it Scott Ritchie used hand gestures there to yeah identify and that. they were mocking hand gestures <laughs> I mean it just it didn't make sense to me in the moment but like they leaned in on running the ball at Penn State and you you know realize that quickly when they put seven offensive linemen on the field their biggest two tight ends and then just let either Chase Brown or Josh McCray carry the ball. And and it worked. And Penn State never really adjusted to that, which was a strange situation. It was like, I think everyone in Beaver Stadium, everyone watching on TV was like, okay, well, Illinois is clearly just going to run the ball today. Mm-hmm. And then Penn State just sort of let it happen. And the other thing was like Sean Clifford shouldn't have played probably. Yeah. I mean, as that game progressed and he took a couple hits, like his clearly injured um, midsection, which I would assume. Upper body injury? I would assume either some bruised or maybe a uh, uh, cracked rib. Another another uh, uh, tangent I'm going to go on. It kind of sticks in my craw a bit too just because college football coaches are paranoid. Every Division One college football coach is paranoid, uh, especially when it comes to injuries. And I understand HIPAA and all that stuff, but disclose. But, the, but also doesn't really apply. Disclose the injuries. Have an injury report in college football, just like they do in the NFL. That would clear up so many questions. Uh, obviously, Archikowski broke his arm. Yeah, pretty clear. Just that was pretty still, clear in the moment. Still, three weeks later, we don't know what the injury is to to Sean Clifford, other than. Uh, I mean, he spent a lot of time grabbing his side. It was like, your ribs are not well. Yes. So, I mean, he probably shouldn't have played. Mm-hmm. I don't know that their backups would have made you know, a difference, uh, positively or negatively. But I, mean, I think those two things, like the Penn State passing game was not what it could be because Sean Clifford was not well, and then they don't run the ball very well. And I think you know, they tried to run the ball early because you know, knowing I kind of would have to maybe thinking ahead a little bit to Ohio State. Um, trap game. You know, it turned out to I be... I tried to warn everyone last week. It turned out to be a very big trap. Um, but yeah, I think those two things. And then you know, the Illinois defense didn't... I think it was telling you know, they didn't have any takeaways, but they probably played their best defensive game of the season. They were just solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the seven offensive line men look that Illinois got going for it I, I feel the barge the barge uh I, I feel that is a uh I'd like to see the barge a lot this Saturday when Rutgers comes to Champaign for the annual Illinois Rutgers football game that seems to take place each six years years. in a row exactly <laughs> um 
that to me is Illinois just finding an identity. And we all knew that Brett Bielema, based on his history, wants to establish a run. Well, that makes it pretty abundantly clear. I'm going to run the ball, try and stop it, and yeah. Penn State could not do that. It also makes it clear that Illinois has zero faith in its passing game. Which I'm okay with. Make it be the Midwest version of the triple option. You and I, Scott, have talked many times before about how uh, triple option football is. It's different. It's fun to to watch, especially when it comes together at, at a high level like you see with the service academies. Why not just make that Illinois' identity? Who cares if they can? It it was almost better if they didn't throw the ball against Penn State. So just run the ball 60, 70 times a game behind that, that offensive line. I'm sure if you ask Doug Kramer and pals, they'd rather run Brock than try to pass block too. And that also takes away a weakness of this Illinois team, and that is receivers creating separation in the in the pass game. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But I mean, it's it's not the triple option. It's it's power football behind essentially nine blockers no zero wide receivers on the field worked well they got a win yeah i think eventually our teams are just going to put all 11 players in the box and then how do you run you know in that i mean maybe you can i don't know but it's for bart miller to figure out i mean it's, Illinois it's offensive line 2021 like throw the ball just i, I mean things they can't they don't have a, a quarterback that's either efficient or effective. And, you know, Arzakowski's now out for the year, and Brandon Peters is back at number one, and he's had his worst year. How how soon do the calls from the Illini Faithful on Saturday start if Brandon Peters does struggle for, for Ryan Johnson to, to come in the game and, and see what he can do? I still think most people don't even realize, like, Ryan Johnson's on the roster because they'll either – call for Isaiah Williams to move back from wide receiver, which Brett Bielma said Monday, not going to happen. Or they'll be like, Smarty Collier needs a chance. Like, Smarty Collier hasn't dressed for a single game all year. He probably will now because mm-hmm. he's all of a sudden the fourth-string quarterback. But like, And then I saw on Twitter, like, the Penn State game, people were like, Smarty Collier. Four words you should not say that never lead to a good outcome. I saw on Twitter. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, Smarty Collier wasn't in state college. <laughs> like he can't play because he's not there. And just give him a private jet and have him fly there. I, I mean, I saw like the Wisconsin game. Like put Smarty Collier in. He's not in pads. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, put him in, I guess, but he's gonna get hurt. It's just, I mean, uh, the quarterback situation's a, a mess. And like, you know, Brett Bielma, I think before the season, kind of. During, during spring or whatever, just kind of pushed back on the idea that all he wanted to do was run the ball, and he brought up that some of his best Wisconsin teams, you know, were effective running and throwing. And I think in the ideal world, it's probably more balance. They have zero balance right now. At Penn State, they rushed for 357 yards and passed for 38. It worked mm-hmm. once. Will it work I don't again? Know. I, I don't know. All right, well, Scott Ritchie, you have uh, fallen out of the college football playoff discussions for Beat Riders prediction record since I think you believe, I think it was 42-17 Penn State win last Saturday. What do you have to say now? You're 7-1 and one on the season. I mean, like a one-loss Alabama team is probably still going <laughs> to make the playoffs, so <laughs> I've got a shot. Um, Rutgers, Scarlet Knights winless in the Big Ten this season. 
still struggling in uh, Greg Shiano 2.0 out in Piscataway. Uh, they started to 3-0, though, won all non-conference games, and then got into Big Ten play and realized this isn't the Big East anymore. Um, yeah. I Illinois mean, out, outside of the Ohio State game, though, they've at least been f- somewhat competitive. I mean, they're not getting torched. Yeah, like they did in the uh, Chris Ash era. Yeah. Um, still maybe not a great team. I think there's work to be done for Greg Schiano in his second effort. Uh, it was going to be billed as the, dubbed as the Art Sikowski Bowl since he's actually played a game between Illinois and Rutgers in Champaign, but that was 2019 when he was quarterback at Rutgers. I think he threw a couple picks, maybe one or two that were returned for touchdowns in that uh, that game, which was a the last time Illinois had a win streak. Uh, they get a chance to to have their first one since that season on yeah. on Saturday. Two what is a that's a win streak, a streak by definition. That is um, Illinois. I believe is still a one point underdog. At home, I haven't checked the line since like Monday afternoon, but like it moved quickly from Illinois being one one and a half point favorite to being an underdog at home, which doesn't make a ton of sense because it's Rutgers and Rutgers team that hasn't won in the Big Ten yet. But uh, we'll see. Uh, I, Rutgers like their defense has some interesting mm-hmm. pieces. I think their defensive front's pretty good. Their secondary took a hit several weeks ago when they had some players uh, involved in a, a paintballing incident, which was they were shooting people on campus with paintballs. Never a good thing to do. Not ideal. Uh, but the defense front is solid. I think it'll be a good challenge for, for Illinois. Uh, offensively, I mean, Bo Melton, Aaron Crookshank, good receivers. Noah Vidral, maybe not a good quarterback. He was a really good uh, seventh guy off the bench for Nebraska basketball. I mean, really, because I, mean, I saw, obviously I saw Noah Vidal play last year for Rutgers football, but my strongest memories of him are playing for Nebraska basketball in the Big Ten tournament before it was canceled. Exactly. In 2020. He played uh, last year in, in uh, Illinois' win out in Piscataway. Uh, I think threw three interceptions in that game before James McCourt won the yeah. game. When Isaiah Williams started at quarterback for Illinois, so. There you go. That time has passed. Uh, I know. Uh, Vidrell, he's at least a little elusive running the ball. Maybe that'll challenge Illinois, but uh, if, you can, if Illinois can force Rutgers into having to throw, I think it's kind of the same scenarios if Rutgers can make Illinois do that. Uh, it's not going to be pretty football. Uh, 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, should be hopefully nice weather. Uh, we got a lot of rain here today on as we recorded this on Thursday afternoon in, in Champaign. Earlier this afternoon, Brett Bielema held uh, a Zoom call like he's done all season on, on Thursdays throughout the season. Uh, did say that uh, Chase Brown and Vidarian Lowe should be good to go, should be able to play uh, on Saturday against Rutgers. Good news after Lowe uh, got hurt and taken off at, at Penn State. And then uh, Brown didn't play the last couple overtimes if yeah he got his bell wrong okay pretty hard fair enough um, not sure if the span's gonna play he's still questionable but if Bielema said if he doesn't play uh this saturday he'll be good to go next saturday uh up in minneapolis when the Illini take on pj flex row the boat gophers uh again and scott you and i have talked about this i think we even talked about it monday night on, on monday night sports talk at the esquire but 
given everything that transpired on Saturday and all the good vibes and the emotions and uh, everything that comes with a stunning upset like the line I pulled, especially on the road, the reality is Illinois is still a losing football team. They're three and five on the season, have not had a winning streak all year. They are two and three in the Big Ten. Um, got a chance though to go to four and five against Rutgers, Minnesota the following Saturday, then an off week, then at Iowa, and then Northwestern here in Champaign. So I guess my long-winded way of saying this is, do they have a chance? To get to six wins and, and a possible bowl game, Scott Ritchie? Mathematically, yes. I think it but it involves like winning. They have to go three weekend. and they have to go three and one. Yeah. So they can't lose Saturday against Rutgers. I mean just Mathematically, yeah. even if they did lose Rutgers, there's still a chance, but it's sure but it diminishes. I mean, I'm not a statistician. I don't know what the odds might be, but the analytics wouldn't favor them. No. Uh, so and I think they have to win at Minnesota too. Yeah. Because you're going to bank on maybe not winning at Iowa and winning the other three. It's true. Yeah, I don't know. It's it. So that's what's interesting, too. I mean, if you think back to the last massive upset Illinois had, which was only two years ago when they beat Wisconsin at home, they were 2-4 and four going into that game. A lot of people have probably already written the season off. Uh, maybe some in that locker room. Don't know for sure. And then they went on that four-game run. I don't know if this win at Penn State's going to kick off a similar four-game win streak for the Illini. That'd be something. It does help, though, that Rutgers is the next opponent on the schedule and not, say, Ohio State. Sure. <laughs> but it also it creates... Like Penn State's opponent this Saturday at Ohio State. You lose to Illinois. Here, go to Columbus. And I feel like losing to Illinois like broke James Franklin. Who's still thinking about Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I would, too. I lost a nine overtime game. <laughs> um, but yeah, it also creates a scenario where, like, yes, Rutgers hasn't won in the Big Ten, but, like, don't come out and lay an egg yeah. against the worst team in the conference. There's there's a little pressure there. Where they can't get wrapped up in how maybe great they were to beat Penn State. And it's like, oh, we can just roll now. Well, yeah, this, is their, maybe not. this is their chance to head into November with still some relevancy, especially here locally, before Illinois men's basketball tips off its season November 9th. If they're at 4-5 and five going into the November 6th game at Minnesota, 11 a.m. kick, which was announced earlier this week, which is every sports writer's dream, um, especially, too, when it goes nine overtimes. But that still gives them a chance to arguably be the most important game of the season going to miss the most heavily scrutinized game for Illinois, even with all the buildup they had to the week zero game against Nebraska. If they're able to go to four, if they're able to beat Rutgers and go to four and five overall and three and three in the big 10 before they go up to Minneapolis. Now Minnesota's at five and two right now. They've actually kind of quietly won three straight after laying a huge egg earlier this season, losing to Bowling Green, who I don't think has won since. I'm pretty sure not. Uh, they travel their Minnesota will will be in the state of Illinois this Saturday. They play at Northwestern. Uh, kind of hard to figure out what's going on with Pat Fitzgerald's Wildcats this year, other than the fact they don't really have a solid quarterback. Kind of a theme in the whole state of Illinois <laughs> um, with, with quarterback play. Um, but they could clinch a bull berth this Saturday. Um, 
if they if they beat Northwestern and go to six and two, and they've still the Big Ten West is still up for grabs too. I mean, Iowa goes to Wisconsin this Saturday, homecoming at Camp Randall. Wisconsin's playing a heck of a lot better. They're only four and three overall, but that's they're probably the best four and three team in the country, having lost to Michigan, Penn State, and uh, Notre Dame. Although the Penn State win or Penn State loss doesn't look as great as it did, you know, earlier this month. But Wisconsin seems to have figured out its stuff, too, and that Graham Mertz doesn't have to throw the ball. They have a really good offensive line and a really good run game and a really good run defense. But uh, So the Big Ten West is still kind of up for grabs. So Minnesota, what I'm trying to say, too, is Minnesota still has aspirations for a possible Big Ten title game appearance, most likely against Ohio State. While Illinois keeps its hopes alive for a quick lane bowl appearance in Detroit the day after Christmas, I think. I mean, there's... No, There's enough. no Illinois basketball from the Bragging Rights game December 22nd until they host Florida A&M on December 29th, Scott. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm aware. Um, <laughs> Big Ten has other bowl games, though, right? They do. You were, you went out to San Francisco two years ago. Yeah, well, that one's dead. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Red Box Bowl, rest in peace. Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, Detroit after Christmas. It's a destination. Drivable. You don't have to get in a plane. That's I'm. Yeah, and again they play indoors, so I guess there that's fine. Go. But I don't know. Maybe want to maybe just maybe Illinois should just win all four, and then I can go to like Vegas or something. Okay, or you know maybe Pinstripe Bowl. No, that one's outside. You know, it's Yankee Stadium. Yeah, but it's also I mean, football a football game on a baseball field. That's weird, and it worked yeah. out well for Illinois eleven years ago at Wrigley. Traveling to to New York after I mean in between the holidays that doesn't sound like a, okay. a treat. Well, it's all it's all about what you want, Scott. Yeah, kind of. I mean, <laughs> this podcast. It is. It's our podcast, so I can express my hopes that if it's not Detroit, what's the new bowl in Vegas? I feel like it's Cheese Las Vegas no. Bowl. I don't know. <laughs> there's, the, there's, Las Vegas Bowl's been around forever. Yeah, there's a new one though. Okay. That the Big Ten involved. Uh, we'll ask Bob Osmus in our resident bowl expert. Yeah, I mean, I I'm still of the opinion there's. Oh, there are. There like are way too many bowl games. Twenty too many. That's bowl games. for another podcast. We'll talk about that when Illinois is making its appearance in a bowl game later this season. Mathematically <laughs> on the table. So you got winning Saturday, Scott. Well, I do have Illinois winning. Homer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's all right, I do too. I have lowered my offensive expectations <laughs> a touch. I think I have a 20 to 10 okay. Illinois victory. All right. So if you like defensive football, I guess, be excited. Get excited to see the barge on Saturday. I got uh, Illinois winning 27-17. Now knowing all this, it wouldn't shock me if coming after a huge win and People getting fired up again about Illinois football. They have a letdown. That's that's happened quite often in the past. But uh, we shall see on Saturday. As always, follow our coverage in the pages of the News Gazette and at AlignAHQ.com. Uh, for Scott Ritchie, uh, Ed Bond, I'm Matt Daniels. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. So we want to do the open piece.